1: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out RobotsRadio.net.
2: Welcome back to Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we go hard into all your favorite video game romances. I'm Genesis, the girl who by day works as a mild-mannered accountant, and by night is reading articles titled, Do Androids Dream of Electric Consent?
0: (laughs) And I'm Vervada, the girl who encourages you to always reach out and make that connection because, who knows, the worst that will happen is they will say no, but sometimes they say yes, and that's the story of today's episode.
2: Today's episode is an interview with Heidi McDonald, the editor of the book Digital Love, and a narrative designer with over 25 shipped titles in the video game industry. She was first to ask the question, what do we know about how and why people romance non-player characters in single-player role-playing games?
0: Heidi went on to tour the world, reporting her research findings into this topic, And in 2012, she won the Women in Gaming Rising Star Award. She has continued to love all things video game romance and was generous enough to give us a substantial amount of her time to talk with us. We couldn't dream up a better person to speak on this topic. So
2: without further ado, here's our interview with Heidi McDonald. Well,
0: I guess we could start with the first question, Heidi, which is we we literally like your name popped up so early for us. (laughs) <laughs> when we were starting our podcast and we started Googling, you know, like video game romance. And the first thing that I found that was an actual... Because I've been a student for like the last five years. I just graduated with my most recent degree because I just love school. And um, I found... I just love research. And I found your... It was like a 2015 uh, article in the... What was it? Michigan State University Press. What is... Like romance and games. What is it? How is it? And how developers can improve it? Mm-hmm. And I... I was like, there's actual research that shows that Bioware is the best. Like I had no, we just kind of had that
1: gut instinct. I, I wouldn't know? necessarily say that they're, they're definitively the best. What my data found is that they are the most popular. And I don't know if that is the same as it being the best. You know what I mean? Yes, definitely. Um, when I asked all of the respondents, now keep in mind that I am not a dyed in the wool academic. My research, I conducted it all like independently and ethnographically. Um, I was not a professional academic research. (laughs) It was just, it was something that, you know, I just had some questions about and I was going to go figure out how to get the answers and try to make sense of the answers somehow. And uh, the fact that any of that is found to be valuable by others in the industry makes me very happy and it's very rewarding. But uh, when I asked people name your favorite Game romance or name a game that has had romance in it. Three of the five top answers in both cases were Bioware games. And so I don't know if that automatically means that they are the best at it. It means that they are, they are clearly a leader and definitely the most popular at doing that. I will also say that all of my research took place before a time when we saw the explosion in the Western market of these uh, romance apps that we're seeing a lot of now, like, oh. you know, choices and chapters and all those kinds of games, because I think maybe some of the existence of all of that stuff, I think, would change the answers if I were to repeat that same survey now.
0: Do you have any plans to repeat the survey, just out of curiosity? Um,
1: I hadn't really thought about it. Uh, right now, I'm between jobs. And so I have to <laughs> focus, yeah, that's... On, focus on getting reemployed. And whether or not I can continue to do anything independent often depends in the industry on who you work for. Because there are some companies out there that are like, you are not allowed to do anything at all independently. We own your brain and everything you make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, So I kind of have to pay attention to the terms of whoever I'm going to work for next. So that's A lot of what it will depend on. But I will say it's been really rewarding to see the number of other folks in both academia and in the game space who have kind of piggybacked off of my research and taken it in different directions. I just happened to pop up early in people's searches because I was the first one who started asking certain kinds of questions. And uh, I started asking because I had a paper to write in undergrad. And I, you know, I wanted to write a paper about something, couldn't find any sources. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go get the information myself. And that's yeah. kind of how that all came about. But I'm now starting to see where the things that I've done have begun to influence like other actual scholars who are studying these things. And I'm like, If anything that I found was helpful to people, then I'm happy about that because I just mostly did it out of my own intellectual curiosity.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like how our podcast started too. We were like, I couldn't find any podcasts that were specifically geared towards romances in video games. And I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? I feel like it's such a huge aspect to the video games that we're playing. But people were shying away from the topic. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna do some research. And that's how I found you. Because I found your article called Naughty Bites, the Western complications of genitalia in non porn video games. And I was like, this is my stuff. (laughs) and That's where it started for me.
1: Awesome! That yeah, Jen well, analyzes listen, all the sex uh, scenes in the games. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, boy, do I have some folks to introduce you folks to. Oh, please. Um, yes, please. Look Love up, it. look up a uh, look up a wonderful young woman named Lucy Morris who is doing a lot of r- really interesting work around this stuff down in Australia. And uh, Lucy actually has a podcast about this going on in Australia. Oh, I the name of it escapes me, but definitely Lucy Morris is. She's got a whole community of folks who she talks to and they talk about these things in Australia. Also, the, the professional organization for video game developers is called the IGDA or the International Game Developers Association. And within the IGDA, they have different things that we call SIGs or special interest groups, right? I helped to found the romance and sexuality SIG of the IGDA in 2015 uh, with a really wonderful lady, good friend named Michelle Clough. That's C-L-O-U-G-H. It's spelled very differently than it sounds. (laughs) She is out of Vancouver. She's been a really good friend of mine. I had to step back because of professional reasons, and but that group is still going strong. I mean, they have a Discord where game developers, and really anyone who's interested, will get on that Discord and share information about how, hey, you know, we see a new game who's handling things in a new way, or, hey, this romance in this game really blew me away. Can we talk about it? You know? And there's just a lot of enthusiasm around this topic. Uh, as soon as we invented the Romance and Sexuality SIG, we started having roundtables of that SIG at the Game Developers Conference every year, which is the biggest professional conference for game developers, where, you know, you go and you hear talks and you meet people and learn things. And the first year that we ever did the roundtable It was standing room only. I mean, I'm surprised the the fire marshal didn't shut us down because there were people like lined all the way around the outside of the room. But the attendance to that particular roundtable has been crazy big every, every year. And that has shown me that there are a lot of there are people who are interested in this. There are people who are following it and want to talk about it. There is an audience for this stuff out there. I'm reading your book now. I,
0: I don't know if Jen's finished it cause she actually got the hard copy. I went and got the Kindle version. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Thank we are you. reading it. Of course. That, I mean, it, I I couldn't dream up a more appropriate book for our podcast. We were like, and that's what's so funny because I, when we were looking into this stuff, and even when I do the research for every episode, because we focus on a specific romanceable character, we're only, what, mm-hmm. how many episodes in now? I think tonight's going to be the ninth. So sort of, we're pretty early still eighth okay eighth and we so far have only done mass effect and dragon age origins but it's still so hard i'm like trying to look and see i'm like has anyone analyzed this romance has anyone analyzed this character and even just that doesn't really exist and and clearly as you said people are so interested in it you'd think
1: it would mm-hmm. be so much bigger so much more well, knowledgeable but uh, do you do uh episodes once a week or Yes, yeah, once, once a week. Go, well, you you're probably gonna get half a year out of just Dragon Age. <laughs> oh my gosh,
0: yes. That's that's actually my first introduction to video game romances when I played Origins for the first time as a teenager and I romanced Alistair. And I was just like, this is a whole new
1: world. That is exactly what got me. It It is Alistair from Dragon Age Origins that got me started on this whole career path, honestly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because...
0: So you're living my dream because I, that was when I played it. I was like, I want to be a narrative designer. And I'm just now trying to pursue that, but that's a whole nother story. But that's exactly the same reason that we can, what got me we my can talk job later. dream. <laughs> we,
1: we can talk later. I'd be more than happy to, you know, advise you on it. Because I, I feel like I lucked out, right? I entered the games industry when I was 41 years old. And that's usually a case where people age out before they're 35. And here I was just starting at oh, 41. Wow. And uh, so I just feel like I've been incredibly lucky. And I like to try to pay that forward, however, and wherever I can, particularly you when it just comes to pr- particularly talking. when that comes to women and other minorities, helping, you know, kind of help yes. along. Well, representation I, I was matters. Lucky. Yeah, yeah exactly. I had, uh, I had some powerful people in powerful places hold the door open for me at certain times. And I'm still like, you know, they must have seen something in me that I hadn't seen in myself yet. But I'm super grateful for those folks who helped me out along the way. And that's why I'm happy to help other people. So if you yes. want to be a game writer, I'd be happy to share any experience or advice that you want. <laughs> Thank you.
0: I will definitely take you up on that. Because <laughs> I turned but, 30 but yeah. this year and I was like, it's time to stop putting my dream off. Like I, this has still been my dream since I was 15 years old. i from BioWare. Thank you, BioWare. I don't think I'm in <laughs> yeah. Canada or Austin, Texas anytime soon, but
1: they were always well, my the studio too. Have I got news for you? Edmonton changed their rules. Now they've now they will work with anyone who is remote. Oh my god, because <laughs> that's yeah, what I was trying to do. That, that's actually, what I thought too.
0: <laughs> I actually almost got a remote game, uh, narrative editor role at a, at a fully remote game studio and I had never even applied. It was like a, I just was like, you know what, just go for it. I wasn't even trying to get that job and it was one of, I applied to like 40 something places and it was one of the only three places that got back to me and I they didn't pick me, but they were like, there was over 600 applicants and you were yeah. number seven out of 600 and how over many and so that for me I was like this dream could be reality like I, I know I didn't get lucky the first time but that was the first time I tried like it gave me so much motivation so I was I'm doing a lot next year trying to focus on that as much as I can but it well, was that's it
1: awesome was... <laughs> don't don't give up though it is I will tell you that narrative design is a an area it is a discipline that's oversaturated right now yeah, um, I had an, I had an interview with a company a couple weeks ago, and they told me that there had been 1800 applications. Oh, my Lord. Shit. And I think part of the reason for that is a lot of people just have this idea about game writing that sure. Well, if you know, if I can't get a job being a programmer or if I can't get a job being a, a producer or a designer or an artist, I can just switch to narrative design like without any experience or training in it. You know, game writing, that is a very specific job right? And so the mm-hmm. community are relatively small when you think of other professions all over the world. And we have a really good community. If you hook yourself into like the Facebook page and the discord and the mailing list, and you get to know people that way. And it's based on the people you know, that you start to build these wonderful connections that that can help you later on down the line.
0: Yeah, okay, I don't want to I'm sorry, I, I've digressed us too far into no, <laughs> a different no, topic.
1: That's, that's totally. Okay. But yes, Back to Alistair, um, anyone who's been coming to my talk for a long time knows that there's, alri- there's always the obligatory Alistair slide in every talk because I just gotta, you know, he's where, mm-hmm. he is where it all started for me because I got through that first playthrough of Dragon Age Origins. And I was devastated that that relationship didn't turn out the way that I needed it to. And so I replayed the entire 80 hours of the game as a different character just to make sure that I could
0: end up in That's exactly what I did with mine, too.
1: And I was like, all right, what the hell is wrong with me that I'm doing? Like, what kind of nerd am I? What kind of need does this satisfy? Please tell me I'm not the only person who does this. And, oh. you know, that's where it started was trying to figure out, you know, are other people being affected similarly by all of this? And the answer was overwhelmingly yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Why do you think
0: it's so easy to fall in love this way, this strongly with a game character over, say, like a TV character or a movie character?
1: Well, I think it's the interactivity, right? Uh, You're actually, you know, yes, this has all been written for you by somebody else, both Alistair's conversations to you and the choices of conversations that you return to them. It's all been written by somebody but it feels a little bit less like that when there's interactivity involved and you have some control over the conversation and the Mm -hmm. narrative and how that plays out. You don't really get that with TV or with books or with movies. You're just reading a story and you're not actually in the story participating in it, driving it in any way.
2: So it's the the fact that your dialogue selections are kind of your own choices you you know no matter how much you yell at the tv the characters are never going to do what you say to them but that's
1: right But you might have a choice of that happening. In Dragon Age in particular, one of the things I really loved in Origins is that you could do something so reprehensible that would make one of your companions be like, not sorry, bro, I'm out. (laughs) And they would just Mm -hmm. leave, you know, And, and they would never come back. Like you have lost that character for the remainder of the game. And that kind of mirrored real life a little bit better, I thought.
0: Yeah. I was also going to ask Do you think BioWare is so popular because they were, if not the first, among the first game studio to have like inclusive romance options, like LGBTQIA plus romance options?
1: Yeah. Well, from what I have read and from what I have gathered from folks who worked at BioWare and folks who've been playing games for longer than I have, is that the first relationship like that was in Kotor with Chuhani, and that happened by mistake. (laughs) <laughs> it oh, wow. wasn't even planned. It was like they put it in there and it was supposed to be taken out, but somehow it didn't get taken out and then people played it and people loved it and they realized, oh man, we're on to something, so we're just gonna leave it there. So they had not originally planned to do that. But as soon as they they realize, Oh, well this is this is something that people care about. So then you start to see those kind of romances also happening in you know, Jade Empire and Mass Effect, and like for the Dragon Age titles.
0: Yeah, it's like my favorite one for Mass Effect is Garrus, which turns out wasn't even planned either. They just added him in because everyone in Mass Effect One was like, "How come we can't romance him?" And so, good on you, Bioware, for listening to your fans. Clearly, it's paid off.
1: Well, yeah. this is actually really funny. There is one character in Dragon Age who I wish would be romanceable, but. That character wasn't supposed to be in the game at all. Uh, he was a social experiment. They decided, you know what? What would happen if we put a character in the game whose sole purpose in the game is to tell the player how awesome they are? <sighs> and that character was named Varric. <laughs> 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 so he started out as a social experiment experiment and this was told to me by one of the people who was writing on Dragon East 2. He started as a social experiment just to see what, you know, the players would think. And people just liked him so much that they're like, okay, well we have to we have to keep him in there. And, you know, it's it's kind of criminal that they would make such a wonderfully masculine character with that much chest hair and then make <laughs> him not romanceable. I'm just yeah. so sad about that oh my god reply? that
2: blows the theory out of the water like varic is supposed to be the representation of the maker back on back on earth walking amongst the his creations and i'm like wait a minute, it is a social experiment that went wrong i don't believe the backstory <laughs> the that he is the <laughs> maker.
1: Yeah, um, that, that surprised me too. And one of the ways that I actually ended up getting some of this background information is that I had the absolute honor of being able to work with many of the Dragon Age writers. At a company called Fogbank Entertainment. They were making this phenomenal anthology game called Storyscape, which was kind of like the next generation visual novels. It was such, such good stuff. But the company folded two months after I got there. And that was no. man. I was sad. Yeah. But the fact that this company that was run by all ex-bioware people, I think it was a bunch of ex-bioware people, a couple of Eisner award winning comic book writers. Wow. And me. <laughs> and, and I just felt like, you know, the, the, the imposter slow, syndrome. You know, oh Yeah, I had that really bad. But, um, you know, I got to know some of those folks. And I take that as, you know, one of the biggest honors of my career that I actually got to work on the team, same, you know, I got to work on the same team as those folks for a little while. The, yeah that's amazing I mean you obviously <laughs>
0: were there for a reason so you definitely weren't an imposter but I understand well, feeling like I that appreciate for sure that.
1: well uh we'll see where I end up because I have to believe that like that Dragon Age 4 I have to believe that they're going to need writers pretty soon oh yeah <laughs> so yes. I'm, I'm watching that Bioware career page every day there there are, <laughs> a there are two, alert <laughs> yeah it's like there are two games that like there are two games that I would love to, like beyond anything. It would be my holy grail. One is Kotor and the yeah. other is Dragon Age. Is
0: Bioware doing a Kotor remake? Is are they doing it or is someone else doing it? Um
1: someone else is doing it. It's uh, mm. Aspire Media is the parent company, but there it's a the company begins with an R. It's escaping me right now. But that's a fact check. Yeah, it's like I know <laughs> that they I know that they poached uh, some of the ex- Star Wars The Old Republic people who used to work on that game for Bioware. So I think that's going to be really good. And, you know, I think they're probably going to have to be weaving in some of the canon that's been put in because of the Mandalorian. Yes. Because like the that stuff of all that stuff about Candorous Ordo like no longer applies anymore since the Mandalorian show has come around. So
0: If you do yeah. get that, I don't envy you keeping track of what's legends and what's canon with Star Wars anymore cuz that would oh. be a,
1: a massive well, spider web. You know what though? I got to work on Star Trek for a little while. I worked on Star mm. Trek timeline and, uh, that, that isn't a game that you necessarily get to put <laughs> romance in. Yeah. But they had 50 years of, 50 plus years of lore for me to dive yeah. into. I mean, the name and, is Timeline. <laughs> right. And it's like you think of it as being restrictive. I didn't find it restrictive at all. I found it the opposite of restrictive because it saved me time and effort. It's like I didn't have to invent new planets.
0: You already have
1: a zillion planets. And so it's like, okay, I need an ice planet. And so you just do a Google search on ice planets in Star Trek, and then they list them all for you. It's pretty
0: awesome. Yeah, that is nice, actually.
1: (laughs) And, you know, a lot of these fandoms that have been around for a really long time These are really passionate fandoms. And so er, literally all of it is going to be all of the lore in painstaking detail is on the internet somewhere being captured by someone (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or multiple someone. And so I just found that really super helpful.
0: Yes. Half of the research that I do is literally just, it'll take me to a Tumblr post or something. And there's these amazing analyses of characters and it's just like user, whatever, whatever, Arlathma Vanon or something like from Dragon (laughs) Age. And you're just like, thank you, user Arlathma Vanon. You know, like if it wasn't for your analysis, I wouldn't have thought of this next point myself or like, I can't credit you now, you know. It's just so funny how it comes from all these random little places because there's people who really, really love it and put so much time and effort into it. Shout out to
2: Naughty Gaming on YouTube. If they weren't out <laughs> there, then I wouldn't be able to analyze all of these
0: scenes. <laughs> um, it. I was going to ask. So we've talked, I mean, Bioware, we know most popular and I would assume Alistair is your favorite romance or at least one of your most beloved is there one that you absolutely hate and you think someone did like a terrible job or
1: um actually the thing is that is the type of question that I generally won't answer and the reason (laughs) is people who make games It is hard to make games Mm -hmm. because there are a million moving parts at any given time. And you have to make those parts all fit together somehow when sometimes they're at cross purposes. And then you've got marketing people and data people who are giving you restrictions and stuff like that. It is it is hard to make games. And nobody makes a game wanting that game to suck, right? Everybody puts their heart and soul into making these games. And so my policy is to lift up what I think is great rather than ever take an example and say, I think they did badly because that I don't feel like that's very fair to other developers because we don't know what constraints they were under. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to talk about stuff I thought was fantastic, but I generally do not answer questions that are like name examples of stuff that didn't work because those are, those are my colleagues, you know, those are my colleagues and they did, they, they spend a lot of their time and hundreds of hours of their life on, on that. And I don't know what kind of pressures they were under to do it. I, I will love say the idea. that.
2: Uh, Sorry, I was just like, I love no, the idea ahead. of building people up rather than tearing them down. I respect that.
1: Thank you. There are games that I, that I wish I would have seen more of it in. I am right now playing my way through Skyrim again. I haven't played Skyrim in probably 10 years. I'm playing Skyrim again. And it looks a lot like they revisited things as far as marriage children things like that because I thought initially when I played it that that was a real missed opportunity but it looks like they went back and they thought some more about it and they put some more of that kind of content in the game Mm -hmm. and so where 10 years ago I might have thought to myself but not actually into yeah Skyrim could have done a little bit better They actually went back and did do a little better.
2: Yeah. And so that's Uh, one of the pleasant
1: surprises I've seen with the the latest version of it.
2: In the original edition, I don't think that you could even have children. That wasn't a part Mm -hmm. of it. And it was only in the newer release of the game could you go back and, you know, you can't have your own children, but you can find orphans in every major city and adopt them and then move them into your house. And then your spouse stays with the kids. So they really did up it in that. But yeah,
1: so it's like that's that's a case where like my opinion changed because I always kind of thought of that as being a missed opportunity, but then they they went back and, and revisited it. Now it's cool. <laughs> it's like yeah. they recognized that for themselves. Like there's more story we could tell here. So that's great. I I love the way that they do relationships in the Persona series. I don't know if you're familiar with the Persona Four was where because there are five of those games now. I think, plus a bunch of like smaller games like Arena or whatever. But Persona 4 was the first time that a Persona series actually got my attention a little bit. And the fact that uh, the amount of time that you spend with a companion impacts the relationship and therefore impacts your abilities as a player and Mm. and your shared relationship like can drive gameplay in really interesting ways i i thought that the romances in stardew valley were very sweet
2: i've heard so much about those and it looks like a really cute game but i don't know if uh if it really counts as a romance to me if all i have to give you is 10 cauliflower and now we're gonna (laughs) go get married
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it's a strategy right It it is a strategy. That was like
0: the predecessor Harvest Moon was like the first example Mm -hmm. I could think of for me in my life playing a game. And I guess that's what I mean by like hate, I should say. It was more like which ones would you rather have seen something different? Because for me, like in Harvest Moon, I always I wanted to feel more interaction from the other the romance options are like they were basically just the marriage candidates and like mm-hmm, with each subsequent mm-hmm. harvest moon game they've never ever changed it they've just it's the same formula like give them their favorite presents talk to them enough and then eventually you can just propose to them and they'll move with you onto your farm and you can have a kid or two but mm-hmm. then that's why bioware when i played dragon age origins it made such a big deal because it felt like you really had to work for it like you had to befriend them and they, it felt like you were interacting like you said interacting with them more than just like a scripted, like, do this formula, and then they'll be in a relationship with you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's an evolution, right? We've we've seen it evolve. And mm-hmm. I've tried to speculate on where the evolutions will go next, right? That's a lot of what I've tried to do. I think one of the things that frustrates people is when you... Have one of these game romances, and then as soon as you have the cutscene with the boobies, then romance is essentially over. It's like it's run its mm-hmm. course. You've done the thing, and so now you don't uh, you don't have anything else to really talk about. Uh, it would be nice to see if games could go a little bit further than that. You know, it's like what does it take to maintain a relationship in a in a case where like there's conflict in the world that you have to depend on each other to get through. We don't see a whole lot of portrayals of long-term romantic attachments, right? You don't, see characters in games who are like this is a couple that's been married for 25 years and how do they still relate and how they changed over time and uh in light of the events of the world around them what effects has that had so i'd be interested to see that explored a lot more than is being explored now
2: oh absolutely i I would love a long-term relationship like i love the mundane moments of life that make a relationship real I've been with my husband for 18 years. We have had every fight possible. (laughs) Thank you. And so it's like all of those moments over all of the years is what makes us who we are today. And I don't get... Any of that level of deep emotion and continual bonding with any video game character. I would absolutely love to see that. I want to see a fight between Shepard and
0: Jack about leaving the toilet seat up again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, The closest one I can think of is not a romantic relationship, but it's a parental one between Ellie and, wow, my mind is blanking, Last of Us. Oh, Gosh, yeah, sure. His name? Yeah, they because they grow together in the first game. And in the second game, it's definitely more of a dad-daughter relationship. And they have a lot of fights. And then you see them make up and it felt so real. Like that game, especially the second one, felt like participating in a movie or somebody's life or something. It didn't feel like a game at all. They, it was so immersive. But I can't think of a romantic, relationship option or that exists. We don't have enough of like older people falling in love either in media. It's always very young people falling in love. Mm -hmm. Well, I
1: think that, you know, one of the things that I talked about at GDC Europe, in 2013 was I noticed something and I'm one of these people who notices weird patterns about things. and I'm like, huh, I wonder if that's a thing and I'll go investigate. It turns out that video games have now been around for what, like 60 years, give or take. Mm-hmm. And that means the first people who were ever gamers are Gen X right? And and I'm 51 now and I'm getting older and like all of my contemporaries are like we're in our early to mid 50s now. And we were around when video games first got popular. So because of us and the age of the medium, the average age of gamers is going up just because of the age of the medium and when people get involved and how long they play. Because I don't know a whole lot of people who are like, Oh yeah, I played games when I was younger, but I stopped. It's like most of the people I know are just like playing different games now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also noticed that the average age of romance readers, like romance novels mm-hmm. is on its way down because of digital product. Um, you don't have people going to Barnes and Noble and like buying a big stack of romance novels anymore. They're just getting it on their Kindle and they're reading it digitally. And uh Younger and younger people are more and more digitally inclined, and so that's a case where the the average age is going down. And so what I postulated in 2013 is you've got the average age of gamers going up, you've got the average age of romance readers going down, and you're going to hit this sweet spot where they intersect. And that's going to be a hell of a market opportunity for somebody to figure out how to do romance games in a way that it appeals to romance readers. And I was like, I don't know who's going to do that, but I think it's going to come along and, you know, it'll be wonderful to see. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is what we have right now. <laughs> <laughs> Chapters, <laughs> choices, taboo, like all of these anthology apps that they have right now and they're they're just bringing in lots and lots of money and and so that was one of those things where i, I looked at it in 2013 and i didn't know where it was going to end up but i was like that there's gonna, there's money in this for somebody and uh, damn if it oh, didn't I'm definitely happen
2: victim of it i've played those games i definitely had choices on my phone for a
1: while <laughs> If you ask me, I think that Pixelberry does the very best job of all of them. They monetize ethically. They don't, uh, they don't emotionally punish you for not spending money. Uh. And I have played apps where they will emotionally punish you if you don't spend the money or they will completely withhold any affection whatsoever unless you pay money for it. And there's, there's something a little bit icky about that. Yeah. That sounds like it's cases, teaching people all the wrong things. Yeah. I mean, there, there are apps out there who are, who are being icky about it. And again, I'm not going to name them, but I'm sure if you play some, you'll know exactly which ones I'm talking about, but choices has never let itself fall into that. They have held themselves above it and they write stories that are not just juicy, but also very charming, very heartwarming, and I think Choices is really the best one. Choices, I did end up spending money on Choices when I played it, but you're, you're going to laugh at this. I only ever spent money when they said, you know, ah, here's a dog, do you want to adopt the dog? <laughs> and- <laughs> Well, like, that is
0: uh, I can get behind that. Yeah. Of course I want to adopt I mean, the dog.
1: It was a corgi. I had to. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, especially
2: when they hit you with like it's only a $1.99 and I'm like, okay, I can spend $2 on a dog.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's like they didn't cost them a whole lot to include the dog in the rest of the story. It's just like putting in an extra line here or there about, you know, dog says this or dog does that. <laughs> but it oh. was it was cool to have like the the dog in there.
0: I definitely fall but, yeah. prey to the webtoons. Um, have you ever heard of Lore Olympus? Not a game, I know, but that's like the only thing on an app that I will spend money on because every week you can like pay five coins, which equate to some amount of cents or something to get the chapter for free or you have to wait an additional week for it to be released for free for everyone. I'm like, nope, I want it right oh. now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the story. It's like a webcomic. It's amazing. It's like a retelling you were- of... Um, her uh persephone and hades oh but like in modern times
1: you are probably somebody else who has a story motivation uh there's a scholar named nick ye he used to work for ubisoft doing big data stuff for ubisoft he went out on his own he's got a website called quanticfoundry.com really cool site he has analyzed player behavior And what you can do is you can take this quiz on his website and it asks you questions about what kinds of things are important and enjoyable to you while you're playing a game. And then at the end of the quiz, it will tell you, here's what your player motivation is. And here are games that we can recommend to you based on... What's important to you when you play games? Really, really cool stuff. And so I went on there. I went on Quantic Foundry. I took their motivation, you know, their gamer motivation questionnaire, and they spat back out that I was 96% motivated by story, and we'd like to recommend these Bioware titles and these Telltale titles. (laughs)
2: And I'm like,
1: you
2: don't yes. say. Oh, now we really need to take this with like us and our listeners and have comparisons about why we play the games that we play. That is really yeah, awesome. And
1: you can even on that site, you can even say, here's what my favorite game is and type that in and then it will spit out. Here are games that are similar to that game. So they might be able to turn you on to new games that you didn't even know about before, which I think is really super cool too. Yeah, I think
0: for sure I would be story motivated because all of my favorite games are extremely narratively driven, like The Last of Us, (laughs) Dragon Age. Um, yeah what, oh horizon zero dawn you know that what one. i just
1: finished that one because i i went for about 10 years not having a desktop computer i was only on a laptop and it wasn't a very powerful one at that and then my most recent job they sent me this beast of a computer system <laughs> and so i was like cool now i'm gonna back and play all of these other games that i missed and uh one of the ones I was immediately interested in playing was Horizon Zero Dawn. And oh my goodness, there there were like moments in that that, that had me like almost in tears.
0: Just yes.
1: Whew.
0: I cannot and, wait for the next one, for sure. And that game, I apparently they based Aloy on uh, Commander Shepard, FemShep from Mass Effect, which is like a fun fact hmm. I loved about that. Probably the way she got her red hair, at least. But
1: Well, I think that it probably... I also wonder how much it had to do with Ashley Birch, if anything. Ashley Birch Mm -hmm. is the voice actress who did Aloy. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone who's played Oxenfree or Afterlife is familiar with Ashley Birch because she has done games for night school before, the voice work. And of course, I absolutely adored Oxenfree. That was like one of my favorite games, one of my favorite indie games that I'd ever played. And I was like... (laughs) So when I started Horizon Zero Dawn, I didn't initially realize that it was Ashley Birch doing the voice, but I heard it and I was like, I wonder. And so I looked it up. I'm like, oh my God, it's Ashley Birch. That's fantastic. And I think the way I feel about Ashley Birch is the same way that a lot of people feel about Jennifer Hale.
0: Yes. I love Jennifer (laughs) Hale. I also love Ashley Birch. So when I heard her voice, I was like,
1: yep, this is great. Love it. I already know I'm going to love this game. Yeah. uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. My kids, right? I'm a mom, and I got into video games having already had kids. And that was a trip because I had teenagers when I started into the industry. And uh, now they're adults. They're 26, 24, and 17. But they are way more familiar with some of these games than I am. And so they'd already had exposure to Horizon zero done before i did and so when my son was wanting to talk to me about the bows and arrows and i told him now i just whack the crap out of everything with my spear he was like what are you talking about it's yeah. <laughs> like there's this there's this whole part of the game that revolves around you know how well you can use bow and arrow and i'm like nah i i just run something and whack the crap out of it and see if i can get anything to fall off of it <laughs>
0: yep <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, we're both moms too, but I have a 2-year-old. How old is Rex? Uh, she's 11. Yep. So, we're right. oh, nice so little train to, of ages.
1: You're about to cruise into some interesting times with an 11 year old. I salute you. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. And if I'm any indication of
2: how her personality is going to start taking over, yeah, I'm in trouble.
1: <laughs> no, you know what? I was really very lucky. My daughter, uh, my daughter kept it together, and she made all the good choices and did all the good things. Like she didn't have any time for boys. She's like, she didn't care about any of that stuff. She she had a professional goal, and she stuck to it, and she was all about school and pushing herself with school. And so, I really didn't have to butt heads with her or worry too much about that. But, but the boys, on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the boys are the ones that, that that have given me more gray hair. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: see, my mom was the crazy party lady. And I'm I'm like your daughter. I'm very I didn't date till I was almost 20. And I am very motivated for work and school. And now I have a daughter and I'm like, I don't know, she's gonna be like grandma or is she gonna be like me or mm-hmm. somewhere in between. We'll see what happens. Yeah,
1: it was really important to me with my daughter. You're probably gonna think I'm awful for saying this. But I had the Disney channel on parental block when my kids were growing up. <laughs> and that is not to say that I didn't let them watch Disney movies. I had DVDs of Disney specific Disney movies that I would let them watch, but there was something that I really did not like. And I don't know whether they're still doing it or not, but throughout the nineties and early two thousands, Disney was doing this thing on the Disney channel where they would build a TV series around the young woman. And there'd be all of this merchandising that went along Mm -hmm. with the Hannah Montana and the, the Hillary Duff and the, you know all the stuff, and the iCarly. And then uh, whenever she turns a certain age, they just like, okay, well, you don't appeal to this demographic anymore. And so suddenly they, they just kind of threw her away. And it was just like this whole kind of disposability of young women thing that they were doing that I just, I could not get behind. And I did not want in particular, my daughter to, to see that. And so oh, I didn't absolutely. expose her to it. I showed her very specific Disney movies. I bought her books about famous women and and women leaders and science videos. And I don't know if I can take any credit or not for the fact that she did become a scientist. <laughs> I'm yeah, very proud yeah, yeah. of that. But I, I did things a little bit differently than some other parents do them because I saw some things that I didn't like in society yeah. I, I didn't like the disposability of young women that I was seeing on the Disney Channel and so my children didn't grow up with that.
0: The early 2000s was definitely a tough time to grow up as a woman <laughs> mm-hmm. with the just media I was rewatching Sex and the City you know like, recently. And I was like, wow, I don't remember it being like this. It has, I remembered the show being great. And I rewatched it. I was like, wow, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I feel that big time rewatching Buffy. I was like, you know, I've held her in my heart for so long and on such a high pedestal. And then going back and watching it now as an adult, I'm like, wow, a lot of this, I don't know if it actually hit my brain or if it slightly influenced me in ways that I'm just now starting to unpack, but it it's not good.
1: That's how I felt about Pretty in Pink. <laughs> I love that movie. movie Pretty in Pink. I I went back and watched Pretty in Pink recently. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's like all the women in my generation were angry that she didn't end up with Ducky because Ducky was the nice guy. But I rewatched that and I'm like, no, he didn't. He was a stalker.
0: Oh, it was at 16 Candles where she was like.
1: Oh yeah, 16 Candles has a (laughs) rape in it, but I'm talking about Pretty in Pink. And it's like the one that all of the girls in my generation liked at the time. It's Mm -hmm. like, you go back and watch that now. It's like, holy crap, this guy was like Gary Behavior stalker. And yet we were conditioned to be like, oh, look how sweet. No, it wasn't (laughs) sweet. It was awful. And then uh, it's just really something to look at the way romance was done at certain times and at certain points, and then to realize, wow, um, there really was something different going on. And I don't think that we need to necessarily stop liking media just because it's problematic. I think it's important to understand, okay, well, here's what's problematic about it. And as long as we are willing to interrogate that a little bit, then I think that's okay. Love actually was my favorite movie for, you know, my favorite romance movie for the longest time. And there are lots of parts of Love actually that are just really cringy, but I still, I still am a sucker for that movie.
2: And it's okay to like the cringe, you know, there, it was definitely, it was a part of, you know, what shaped us to who we are and watching and listening and learning from all those things. And it's like, yeah, maybe those aren't the same decisions that I would make now. And especially like in video games, you know, talking about romancing Alistair and he, those aren't necessarily the same decisions I would make now but you still hold a special place in your heart.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, that took on a new meaning doing research for this show. When I was I read someone said that Morgan is basically crafted to be the stereotypical male fantasy, and Alistair is crafted to be the stereotypical female fantasy. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, he is. And that's why I like him so much, because he's literally like the perfect guy, right? He's so sensitive and vulnerable and open with his feelings. And you're just like, okay, well, I guess Uh, you got me.
1: I think the voice acting had an awful lot to do with that. Because I've asked myself in the intervening years, you know, would I have felt about Alistair the way that I felt if it hadn't been done with a degree of winsomeness and, you know, kind of shy humor that he had. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the kind of thing that is only brought about by really good voice acting. I think that if you'd have had any other voice actor voice Alistair, it would not have <laughs> we, had the impact that it We had. found out
0: that Nathan Fillion was supposed to voice him originally during our... Oh, when no. We were, oh, yeah, don't, you no
1: don't tell me that. <laughs> don't tell me that. Oh, no. Because oh. apparently
0: he was partially based on Mal from Firefly, and so David oh, Gator geez. was well, like, that, let's get Nathan ex- Fillion.
1: Oh, Christ. Well, that explains some things. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah alistair
2: is a cross between xander and mal and was supposed oh. to be voiced by nathan and i'm like oh, so funny. captain hammer is not alistair
1: <laughs> no not at all i i really really wanted uh him to be in the uncharted movie i'm like uh, i get okay he's my age and you probably want a younger oh but he'd be perfect younger. but he yeah you would be. You really, really would be. And that's a beef that I have with Hollywood is that you know you have to constantly appeal to the younger demographic. I don't think that's true because God. if you sh- if you show me Harrison Ford being a badass and he's what like in his eighties seventies or yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm still gonna go see that movie because he's badass mm-hmm. and I like, mm-hmm. still think like, he's great. And uh, I think it's oh gosh, I still watch everything
2: Meryl Streep. Me too.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like they have uh, I, I think it's older people who have more disposable income anyway. So I, I don't think that they are placing enough value with, you know, people who are a little bit older.
0: I hope that changes, because it seems like everyone we talk to, that's the reigning opinion, but no one's told the casting directors or something. Like, I'm not really sure why they keep doing what they've been doing when we all want to change. Yeah,
1: yeah. It
0: seems to only really apply to Hollywood, because video game industry seems to pivot so quickly compared to other forms of media. Like They really do, at least to me on the outside, it seems that they address changes in taste and consumer preferences pretty well. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one of the reasons I really appreciated Love Island, the game, was that show is about as superficial and ridiculous as it gets, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and I was like, I'm just going to play the game and and see if it's anything like the TV show. And it's like the game is actually really something special. And uh, that was what made me want to go work for them. When I saw that they had brighter openings over there, I was like, they could have stayed along with what the show was doing, but they chose not to. They chose to go deeper. They chose to have, like, women with different shapes in bathing suits, you know? And, uh, real life. yeah and so I was I was really thrilled when I got to work refuse box um, with those folks and got to touch that franchise. but unfortunately the studio changed direction and went from being a developer to a publisher and so mm. sadly everyone who I worked with there, anyone who was a developer ended up uh, having to go find something else.
2: I love that you bring up the different body shapes, because I absolutely loved your portion about what the hell happened to Morgan's boobs, and why can't (laughs) I
1: have a boob slider? Yeah, I was playing Dragon Age Inquisition, and I was like, the boobs on my character aren't as good as my real boobs, and I want my real boobs in the game. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I make these things. I'm proud of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the closest we got to adjusting that is cyberpunk, but it's like, do you want small boobs or big boobs? And I'm like, no, I want to change the height of them or like all there's all these options that I would like to have to make my character well, look more like me. Here
2: comes a train. Here
0: comes a train. Wee! The trains are very exciting, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are. But it's like you get used to them after being here for about a month. You just don't even notice them anymore, except when you're on a video call and people are like, um, what am I hearing? (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I learned to just, you know, call attention to them because people are going to hear it. and They're going to wonder what the hell is that? (laughs) Well,
0: I know we've taken a ton of your time, so I don't want to take any more. But
1: if you have anything else that you want to ask you know i got i got a little bit more do you have any
0: questions jen Uh, because i wrote questions out and you just went and answered them before i could even ask them because i feel like (laughs)
1: obviously you've done this
0: before (laughs) so (laughs) you know what you're talking about
2: right our notes pages is now what we've taken notes down from you instead of what you were gonna ask
0: (laughs) Oh, I guess I got lucky with LinkedIn then. It was like one of the last days I had the premium membership. And they're like, Would you like to send an in And I'm like, yes, I think I found her. I was like stalking <laughs> on LinkedIn trying to find you.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. Like I said, it's very gratifying for me. When I hear that, that my work has helped people or, you know, helped them think about these kinds of things in games or helped them in thinking about how they go about constructing these kinds of things in games. Because like I said at the beginning, it's just I had a question and I didn't find any answers to that question. And so I went out and figured out how to get the answers. And it happened at a point in my life where I couldn't believe that anybody else was interested in anything that I had to say. You know, because I was like just a stay-at-home mom. I wasn't really anybody. And I was an intern in the games industry and stuff. And so the fact that people were interested in the topic, I was just like, wow. And I'll, I'll never forget when I, the paper that I had turned in at school, they encouraged me to turn it into a conference talk. And I put the I put the outline for the conference talk and the slideshow together. And I asked a, a guy at shell games who i was working with who had done a lot of conference talks and i said uh, could you do me a favor and like go through this stuff and tell me what you think i mean because i've never done anything like this before just you know give me some pointers because i want to do a good job and he went through everything and i'll never forget he looked across his desk at me and he said you're going to be able to take this talk all over the world and i laughed at him i was like no no come on you know i i have only worked in this industry for like four or five months. And I'm, you know, I'm not anybody. You got people out there like Hideo Kojima, you know, I'm I'm like, mm. literally a nobody. Um, but he said, you're, you are going to be able to take this all over the world. And you know what, I shouldn't have laughed at him because he was right.
0: <laughs> so amazing. It's like a fairy tale.
1: I Yeah, I did end up getting to do talks all over the world. And uh, the fact that it allowed me to travel so much has made the pandemic easier on me because it's like you know what I got to do a lot of traveling so I don't feel like I'm deprived now of not doing that because I had some amazing opportunities through games in the games industry to meet a lot of people and do a lot of things and I'm uh, just really super grateful for all of it so cool
0: I feel a little bit similar but unfortunately for me my thing started I was a stay-at-home mom up until I got my job I just started last month and and student at the same time which was definitely fun (sighs) And then the pandemic oh, wow. happened. <laughs> so I'm like, at least I have a job. Thank God for the internet. Because otherwise, I would have no way of interacting with the world at all. Because we live in the country far away from my family yep, My husbands in the military. So
1: oh my goodness and is he deployed elsewhere no
0: he's here he was we i was in the military too that's how we met and then i got out in san diego before and we got orders to a tiny tiny city compared to where i'm from because i'm from los angeles and um oh
1: wow Uh, yeah (laughs) i lived there for a couple of years
0: yeah and um we got here literally like three weeks before covid started in march 2020 and um wow i've just been inside with my toddler ever since basically so thank well, you, you have, just for the internet.
1: You have all my respect in the world. I honestly don't know how the people who are, you know, working full time remotely using their computer and also have small children. I honestly, honestly, don't know how you folks do it. And you have all my respect in the world. <laughs> thank because, you. You know, I remember what it was like to have them that age, and I just, oh, I don't know if I'd be sane anymore
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know if it wasn't for genesis and i becoming friends in this podcast it's honestly like my socializing now i feel like oh. and it's so fun so i really i'm happy that we met we met through the mass effect lore cast actually because we we're both mass effect that's, fans that's
1: fantastic
0: mm-hmm. game community i'm telling you it brings yeah, us all together
1: yeah. well uh, i i don't know if you're aware of dragon age twitter but wow is that a thing barely
0: just because I got Twitter for our podcast, like it's the only Twitter I've ever had. And well, um, uh, they're, they're look into everywhere. Dragon
1: Age Twitter <laughs> because there there are multiple discourses going on at any given time about Dragon Age every single day on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Thirsty, thirsty people, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh,
2: I'm on like a lot of Mass Effect TikToks, and I tell you what, that is a dark side of the internet. What they <laughs> the, the will do. Well, you know, Rule Thirty Four, after all. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did we make up? Be we made up Rule Forty Three. If there's not already a porn for it, there's definitely a mod for it. Yes. <laughs>
0: or at least a fan fiction oh yeah oh yeah
1: yeah people said to me um one time if you were going to make a mod for dragon age what would you do and i'd say that i'd give morgan her boobs back (laughs) Uh, yeah
0: (laughs) maybe she breastfed
1: i don't know i don't know but i just found it very very dubious that like her breasts would shrink in size after motherhood because i had the well complete opposite experience same
0: <laughs> me too to, to the yeah. point where i got a breast reduction this year because it was ridiculous hmm. i could not live with it <laughs> i was like nope nope they were already big before so i was like no i'm not doing this my back kills me I can't live like this so maybe I morgan wonder- did that too
1: i don't know well i mean you know she's got bells you yeah maybe her. she's got Surgery's some kind of fun. A, transmogrification spell of some sorts and you know there's going to be that dragon age fan out there who's like the name of the spell isn't actually transmogrification and, <laughs> you know, somebody's yes. gonna have the exact answer to that oh. and mm. i i love Guess that you could
2: fanfic it that While she was transformed into a different animal, she got into a fight and it chopped off some of her body parts. And therefore, when she reverted back into human form, her boobs were gone.
1: Mm, You know who I would have loved to have seen more of in Origins is Flemeth. She was by far, to me, the most interesting character in that game. Yeah, and
0: I remember when I first played Dragon Age 2 and they show you Flemeth and I'm like, this isn't Flemeth. Flemeth was like an old swamp hag. Like, who is this? She, like, got hot. Yeah, she totally (laughs) did.
1: And, um, She's kind of like a Baba Yaga character, yes, right? Because mm-hmm. um, Baba Yaga has multiple identities. It's like she's known for being the wise woman of the forest and the healer. She's known as a warrior. She's also known as like the old hag evil trickster. There there are multiple variations on Baba Yaga. And I just really felt that way about Flemeth too. And I don't know whether they did that on purpose or not. But oh uh, if I were to go back... And if it were up to me to find any character to tell more story about, it would definitely be Flemeth. I would love to see an entire game made about her.
0: Yeah. Or at least a book or something. But now at the end, what ha- I don't want spoilers for anybody. Right. But I mean, at the end of Inquisition, I'm not sure. Well,
1: prequels. Prequels, Oh right? Yeah,
0: we could do prequels. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, well, actually, I don't know. Maybe Flemeth is gone, but Mythal still around.
1: Yeah. Perhaps.
0: I just would have liked to see some sort of reconciliation between Morgan and Flemeth. We When we did Morgan's episode, we went into a lot of depth about their mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It's very complicated. I, I well, I think it's okay to have complicated family relationships, right? Because they're complicated mm-hmm. in real life. Oh, yeah. And it's like, in real life, you're not always going to be able to end on a good note with somebody and it's stories like that that remind us to think about how these situations are playing out in our own lives right if you see a story where a parent dies without them being able to make it right it makes you think about well me and my estranged parents Mm -hmm. to should I should I take that step to fix things while I still can or am I just really okay that they're gonna end the way they are you know, it, it's cathartic. It helps us think about our own situations and what we would do relative to that.
0: I like that because stories before from, you know, primitive human stories were always lessons versus now, Mm -hmm. I feel like mostly entertainment, but they're still lessons like at the end of the day. That's a really good one to take.
1: I I do wish, though, that Inquisition would have had some romances that could turn out happy. It just felt like Inquisition (laughs) was this one where like literally every single romance, there was some sort of sadness or tragedy or breakup or yeah yeah because it's like you romance Colin it goes okay but he maybe he's a drug addict
0: yeah or, maybe he dies
1: yeah or it's like you romance Blackwall and it's like oops he's not mm-hmm. who he said he was I romance <laughs> Solace so I, I was I <laughs> You know what? I couldn't stand solace. And so I just, I (laughs) never brought him along. Yeah. And it's like, I was one of these who on one of my playthroughs, Romance Dorian, because I wanted to see how far they would let it go before he had to explain to me, sorry, you're a girl. I don't do that.
2: Mm-hmm. And the answer,
1: the answer is a surprisingly long time. He let that go on way longer than it was maybe ethical for him to do. That's true. I've never romanced but,
0: him playing as a male inquisitor, so I'm not sure how that romance plays out yeah, yet.
1: Yeah, I, I find that I can't, play as male characters like that's why Neither i haven't I. played witcher that's, that's <laughs> why i haven't played witcher and it's a shame because i've heard that witcher is fantastic and very brave in its level of story branching but i just i can't get there because if i'm running through a game and they're saying oh hello there sir i just can't <laughs> it's <laughs> it not breaks totally it immersive or, yeah um, it breaks it
0: i can play the witcher but if given the choice i will always choose a woman to play as i want to i want to yeah. If it's an RPG, I want it to be an extension of me, right?
1: Yep, yep. And that's actually one of the most interesting findings that my research found was that women want to play characters who are close to who they are in real life, but it's their romances that they'll mix it up. It's like they will experiment wildly with their romantic choices, <laughs> but the characters are like close to who they are. Uh, whereas the male players will romance the Sith character, like the character that they would romance in real life, but they will experiment wildly with their player character. You know, because hmm. they want to be bigger, bad stronger, meaner, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, I, but
2: I yeah. I that was- Even in my own social circles, that is exactly how it goes, because I have like a group of five guys that I'm friends with. And I think three of them have played Mass Effect specifically that we were talking about. And they were like, well, yeah, I've always played as the male. And then, you know, but then they all start dating Ashley and then or mm. maybe liara and i'm like why didn't you go for any of the other options or miranda because she's got the best ass and i'm like that's not what it's all about <laughs> what about the actual storyline of it but then my one pansexual friend said he's like no i will play as either character and when i'm femshep it is garris all the way and i'm like mm. i love you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see what they do with Varric in Dragon Age four, I guess.
0: <laughs> we had a talk with the two hosts of the Dragon Age lore cast the other day and one of the hosts said she wanted Varric and Cassandra to get together, just outside of the player character, just have their own. Oh, relationship. hell no. Really? Hell
1: no. <laughs> I, I wouldn't it was wanna do that. I wouldn't wanna do that to because she's just so bossy, man. It's like I don't think he'd I don't think he'd be down with that. <laughs>
0: That's true. But he does write her favorite romance. So I well, was like, he at yeah, least knows what she likes. That.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I, <laughs> Isabella though, I didn't I never did figure out whether I wanted to be her or be with her. <laughs> <laughs> or both. Or both. Yeah. 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 I lots of lots of... Great. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> that an was... interesting one.
0: I know I didn't, I went back and watched the video recently and I was like, wow, he's so angsty. I don't know if I'd go for him now. But when I first played that game, I was like 10 years younger than I am now. So I was like, <laughs> made more sense back then, I guess.
1: Well, that was one of the things that I was thinking about when I did my first research was, why is it that we're attracted to these characters in games who you would never be attracted to in real life? Because it would, you know, if, if I met a guy that emo in real life, it'd be like, no, <laughs> Go go on, dude. I'm swiping the other direction. (laughs) But, But in the game, it's okay. And so that was one of the things I was seeking to get answered with a survey. And that was when I found out that women want to experiment with partners that way. Everybody plays romance because of the story but men in particular their secondary reason for playing romance is often the gameplay perks that they get it's like do you get some kind of in-game gameplay benefit for for romancing because sometimes yes like they'll give you a special axe or they'll give you a special power or something right unlock an achievement Mm -hmm. correct and then with women it's you know the story first but emotional fulfillment second it's like it's how it makes them feel
0: at least it's true for me i would not care if i get a special axe or something i want purely like the good feelings unless, I you're, get. Playing,
1: unless you're playing boyfriend dungeon and then your boyfriend might actually be your axe <laughs> <laughs> Just the main <laughs> Boyfriend Dungeon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, gosh.
1: You need to play <laughs>
0: me. <laughs> I have not, yeah. <laughs> just, I will look it up.
1: Okay, well, I, I am going to need to get going. But uh, if you have any follow-ups, hit me up over email. And Thank
0: you so much for today, too. It really means a no lot problem. to No problem.
1: I had fun. Yay. Thanks.
0: Have a good rest of your day, Heidi.
1: Thanks. Happy holidays. <laughs>
2: oh. I seriously had such a good time talking to her not only did i feel like she was a mentor but was still a gamer if that makes sense like yes sometimes you read an article or a story about a video game and you don't feel like the person talking about it has any connection anymore Yeah, I played a video game back when I was like in high school. And that was cool. And now that I write articles on a newspaper, I can talk about being a gamer. No, she's still totally very much a gamer today.
0: Yeah, it reminded me, um, when you were saying that of Henry Cavill, like, you know, he's obviously an amazing actor and very attractive, but he's also a huge nerd. And like, specific with The Witcher, he's played The Witcher as a game, way before he ever was cast as girl in the Netflix show. Mm -hmm. It's just it adds something special when you know that they know that they're like on the inside and they are also nerds. It just makes it so much better because they are also more passionate. Like they care. They give a shit. Like we all give a shit. They give the same amount of shit. So it's amazing. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Seriously, we can't thank you, Heidi, enough for giving these two girls some of your precious time. We ship women who support women. And if you like what you're hearing,
2: please be sure to leave a review and subscribe. You can find me in our Two Girls One Ship chat on the Robots Radio Discord channel. And come give us a follow on all the social medias at Two Girls One Ship links to those are in the description
0: and you can find me on the robots radio discord as well we live stream each episode on twitch at two girls one ship every friday at 10 30 p.m eastern time 7 30 pacific time and release the podcast episodes on sundays thanks for listening and remember beauty is in the eye of the controller mm-hmm. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest.
1: Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you.
0: Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the mob man! Featuring a series of nail biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bunny?
1: No, it certainly does not.
0: True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama,
1: available anywhere you get podcasts.